Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. Episode two of our outstanding playoff report from SAP Center at San Jose and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Dan Rusinowski with Drew Remenda. And uh, Drew, I really have to start all of this today by going to the words of a very wise man. And, I, and if you are well card team, I sure as hell don't want to play Colorado in the first round because it's going to be a waste of eight days. <laughs> so that just tells you what you have to do every day anybody that's comfortable or cozy i'm saying it right now it's you won't last long well you won't last long and of course the nashville predators didn't last long as daryl predicted daryl sutter the head coach of the calgary flames uh, a sweep for the colorado avalanche you're not surprised at that are you no, um, he was off by a day because it was seven days. But other than that, he was right on the money. Now, of course, Nashville being in their situation where they lost UC Soros certainly took away from their ability to, to mount uh, a game, win a game two, or two. To be fair, though, Nashville, they played their tails off. They were, their last couple of games were close. But um, just Colorado's so good. So good. And so talented from top to bottom. It, the interesting thing is now is that Colorado has time to rest. So Darcy Kemper, if people didn't know, Darcy Kemper took a stick in the eye. Um, his vision's okay. Eye's going to be okay. But now he'll have some time for that swelling to go down. So their number one goalie will be ready for round two. You and I have both know that getting that rest after round one is a hugely important step for a team if they want to win the Stanley Cup because of how hard this journey is. Rest is a weapon, Danny. It's rest as a weapon. Um, it, it is in this time. Now, Colorado's going to be able to stay healthy. Their top guys aren't going to have the taxing minutes that this pays off at the end. Some of the people have been asking, why are, the, why are Tampa having so much trouble with Toronto? Why are Tampa not this? Why were they this down the, they, down the stretch? They weren't that good. Well, it's because they played about 100 more games than everybody else has. They are an exhausted team. Rose, did, you know, speaking of wise men, John Cooper, when he was asked about that, John Cooper said, if you're tired, if you're talking about how tired you are, then you don't want to win. I thought that was, wow, that was, he's not letting any excuses come in. But we all know rest is important in the, in the playoffs and you get this little rest and you're really going to be ready to go for round two. People have the rest versus rust argument. I don't really buy it. Um, if you, if you are practicing the right way, you're taking care of yourself, you're being a professional and you're coaching the right way. You don't let your guys get rusty. Well, since we're talking about it. And now it's time for perspectives from the past. I go back in time, Drew, as we let the crowd noise sink out of here. Uh, I go back to the series that the San Jose Sharks played against the Nashville Predators in 2016. That was a series in which the Sharks 
could have beaten the Predators, ironically, the team that just got swept by Colorado, in five games. But what happened was the team went into overtime and they ruled that Joe Pavelski's apparent goal in overtime had to be called back because of what they thought was goaltender interference, even though Joe Pavelski was pushed into the goaltender uh, of the Nashville Predators, and it was a call that we all disagreed with. So because of that decision, the game went on. And it went to triple overtime. Mike Fisher got the game-winning goal in triple overtime for Nashville, which extended the series. And so in, in what looked like a five-game series win for the Sharks turned into a series win, but it took them seven games. And I still maintain that that was a contributing factor in maybe running out of gas a little bit in the final against Pittsburgh. Well, 2016, you were a lot closer than I was, but I remember watching it back here. And um, I didn't like the Sharks game in, in sixth game. I, I thought that they are, I thought that they just, you know, remember that the history of game sixes for the Sharks? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not exactly stellar. Getting smoked by Detroit in game six, oh, losing to Detroit in, in, in 2011 in game six, yeah. leading up to, you know, they were up three games. Another to game nothing. seven. Yeah. Another game seven, which turned out to be one of the greatest games ever played in Sharks history, actually. Yeah, exactly. And they came out gangbusters but yeah that one extra game that 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 little extra flying to you know back and forth that little extra the, the more you got to do always on a team it, it it does zap their energy especially when you're getting that deep into the playoffs that zaps your energy but let's you're right i mean that call come on man like you you're looking at what's going on now in the national hockey league with goalie interference the difference in how it's called you know what this year goalie interference calls um, they've only called back about 20% of the goals. They don't, now it's more important to, remember the refs never used to make a signal. Now they make a signal, whether it's a goal or not. And the goal on the call on the ice is the, is the one contributing factor they're looking at, but I didn't like that call at all. No, that was a, that was a tough one a long time ago, but, but this, these particular days, you're right, Drew. And isn't it even more uh, common, I guess, to say that they're automatically calling it a goal on the ice. Yep. Yep. Goes in. They're not saying it's no goal. So they challenge it. They're saying goal and then let everybody decide what happens. Exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting how they're doing it uh, these days, but um, more traffic to the net. And you can see that it is, it is, it is really contributed to the, to a goal last night for, um, for Florida. uh, Yeah. When they came back, nice comeback for them. Absolutely. Big, big victory for the Florida Panthers in overtime against the Washington Capitals. That was a, uh, you know, Sam Reinhart ties things up and then Carter Verhage gets the winner at 457 of OT uh, to make that series tied 2-2. But I want to get back to our good friend Daryl Sutter for just a second because yeah. of his very wise words about a team that was going to play the Colorado Avalanche. Meanwhile, the team that his club is facing, another wild card team, Dallas, is giving the Flames everything they have to handle. And a lot of it, of course, is not surprising to Sharks fans because Joe Pavelski has been a key to it. He had a couple of goals in the, in game number three. It gave the Stars a two games to one lead in that series. And so Big D had to fly into Big D and have a big performance. And in game four, they outshot the Stars 54-35. A lot of physical play in that one. And Calgary ends up tying the series at two. So that's going to be a long one. They were dominant in that game. By the way, the two goals Pavelski scored in, in game three, typical Joe Pavelski goals, right? Sweet. The, the three goals he's got, I mean, typical Joe goals. But I... I don't think Dallas can last in this series. I know it's 2-2, but Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have got to start contributing. The line that's doing all the heavy lifting offensively is 
Rope Hints, Joe Pavelski, and Nick Robertson. Those are the guys doing it. Um, Calgary, though, you said it, a very physical game. Their boy, they're really targeting Klingborg. Klingberg, man, they're going after him all the time. Klingberg had three fights in this series. He said one fight in his, I think, in his career. He said it's incredible. Yeah, that's an incredible number. And what is it about Ricky Bonus? He seems to get the most out of his teams wherever he is. It's, it's a part personality, but this is a good hockey man that understands what he's got behind the bench. Well, you just nailed it. It's exactly what he's he's been in the league since he was 29 years old. He's been he's coached more games than anybody. If you look at his assistant coaching record and his NH and his head coaching record, he is he understands the guys, understands when to, when to use them, how to use them, and it is a personality thing. Ricky Bonus is such a good guy. Um, he's he gets a lot out of his guys, and this was a team that gave the job to Ricky after Jim Montgomery was fired and, or resigned, I should say. And Ricky's got. Um, Ricky's just like, you know, you, Danny, you and I have talked to him a hundred times. I mean, he's just a very likable man. The guys will play for that. And coaches nowadays, you gotta, you gotta put your arm around them more. You gotta, you gotta care about them. You gotta show that you care and you gotta be genuine. And Rick is all those things. That he is. And I got a great story about Rick bonus. I was in the American hockey league in new Haven. We were in Moncton for a game against the Moncton Hawks at the time. And Rick was the head coach of that team and they were affiliated with Winnipeg. Yeah. Winnipeg. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that story is, is we had a dual affiliation. We had the LA Kings and we had the New York Rangers. And one of the few Rangers we had on the team uh, was Paul Boudelier, longtime defenseman. Yeah native of the maritime provinces from Nova Scotia. So we were in the Maritimes on this long trip and he was uh, looking for the opportunity to, to play for the New York Rangers. Well, he got a few games, but something happened between him and Michelle Bergeron. who was the head coach of, of the Rangers at the time. Le Petit Tigre didn't care for the maritime French guy. (laughs) So back to new Haven, he came and this is five o'clock on the day of the game. We're pulling into the rink. You know, bus arrives from the hotel in Moncton to the rink. And we walk in. Nick Beverly is coaching our team because uh, Paul Boudelier, I should say, Robbie Fatorik was just named head coach of the LA Kings. So here we are in this long maritime trip. And Rick Bonus comes over to talk to Nick. Then they come over and they say, Paul, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to take your stuff out of the locker room. You've been traded. And he said, where have I been traded? And they said, you've been traded to the Winnipeg Jets, and we're expecting you to play for Moncton against New Haven tonight. <laughs> Paul Boudelier is furious. I mean, he's already thinking about his apartment. He's thinking about his family, whatever it is, is going through his mind. And, and of course, the relationship he apparently didn't have with Michel Bergeron. So um, he says, I don't know if I'm going to play. Then he goes, all right, I'll play. Well, he, he goes across the ice, and Rick Bonus looks at us, and he goes, that's hockey. That's all he said. <laughs> I'll give you right. Footnote, Boudelier had one assist and Moncton won 10-3. Here's, here's Ricky, Ricky Bonus. He's assistant coach in Vancouver. Uh, when they was, you know, Vancouver was at their the height, right? And the, the twins were playing like the twins. And we, we're, the Sharks were in there. And so Ricky and I are talking um, by, the, by the coach's door. And uh, one of the Sedin twins walks by and he goes, uh, see you, Danny. And... Danny goes, Daniel Henry goes, see you, Ricky. And he walks away. And I said, how did you know that was Danny? And he goes, I didn't. I, I say Danny all the time. I got a 50, 50 shot. He goes, today I was right. 
that's perfect. He, he's, he's, he definitely has a sense of humor about himself. Yeah. He wants to have fun at the, uh, at the rink, but he's also a very serious hockey coach. So that, yeah. that's one of, that's one of the really good series to keep your eyes on uh, for the rest of the campaign. You're listening to our playoff report, and we'll be back right after this on the San Jose Sharks audio network. Unlock an easier way to schedule your team of all-star employees. No spreadsheets, no hassle when team members want to swap shifts, and fast substitutions when staff call out sick. With Deputy, it's simple and lightning fast to create and share employee schedules. It's how over 250,000 workplaces are making life easier. From restaurants to retailers, to hotels and healthcare clinics. Ready to up your scheduling game? Go to deputy.com forward slash sharks. We continue now with the Sharks Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Lots of playoff action going on around the National Hockey League, but we thought we would take a second on the show to discuss a couple of the finalists for some of the great awards in the National Hockey League. Let's start off with the Norris Trophy this season. I think, Drew, that, uh, that there's some pretty outstanding picks that, uh, that have been selected for the Norris Trophy this year. And uh, there are three finalists that are very, very deserving, all of whom, by the way, have played unbelievable hockey against the Sharks this year. Victor Hedman has an overtime winning goal against the Sharks. Hurdle gets it ahead to Barabanov. Got to get it deep. There's Hedman again with another amazing play. Steals it from Barabanov. Hedman down the right, gears to his left, into the zone. Holds it. Score! Overtime belongs to Victor Hedman. The best defenseman in the National Hockey League waited, waited after taking the puck away. Geared to his left. Put it off the post with Stamkos there and into the net. And it is a lightning victory. Roman Yossi had that four assist game, was plus six in one game against San Jose. Shot toward the net, tip, score! That's Yossi on the point. And the puck tips by Steelock through traffic. It's 3-0 Nashville. How on earth did that happen? And of course, Kale McCarr is Kale McCarr. McKinnon gets it back. McCarr shoots, stick save, rebound, score! Now McCarr gets his own rebound, knocks it home, 3-0 Colorado. Just 34 seconds into the second period, and that is a four-on-four goal. Looked like Ranton took a penalty there, hauling down Logan Couture in the corner, but McCarr's first shot was stopped, and he got his own rebound and knocked it in, and so it is 3-0 Avalanche. I looked at this yesterday when these uh, nominees came out and thought, okay, you're right. No matter who you pick here, no matter who gets it, you're right because they've all had, as you just stated, marvelous years. The, the sexy favorite is Kale McCarr, 23 years old, and is dynamite. What, you know what I like, though, Danny, about this class? Before, and I think you and I agree on this, before with um, Norris Trophy guys, it was usually the guy with the most points, and that was right. automatic. All three of these guys... They can play D too, and they do play D very, very well. So I, I like these nominees. And like I said, I don't care who wins it because if it's Yossi or Hedman or Makar, you're right. 
they were the best. I'm kind of pulling for Yossi in a way. He, he was such a dominant player for the Nashville Predators this season. And of course, he had one of the best games against San Jose. Hedman's an easy vote. He could win almost any year. And of course, yeah. that that all world play that he made on the overtime goal against the Sharks for the Tampa Bay Lightning is one that we're going to remember for this season. As you said, I think he is incredibly steady in his own zone. So he's one of these guys that's elite and does absolutely everything. Kale McCarr is a guy that's still learning to be better defensively, but I think he's still superior in that in that area. And that's because of his unbelievable skating. He's probably the best skater of the three, I think. Absolutely. He's he's amazing. At at 23, his hockey IQ is through the roof, his skill level, his courage to try to make plays. And he has been he was a huge impact in this first round for, for Colorado over Nashville. Let's talk about the Vezina Trophy, which is handed out to the best goaltender. Back in the old days, it used to be uh, the goalie tandem that had the lowest goals against average. That's kind of morphed into the Jennings Trophy. But uh, we have three outstanding goaltenders that have been selected as finalists for the Vezina Trophy, which is technically the best goalie in the NHL. You've got Jacob Markstrom for the Calgary Flames, who's had an amazing year. Yusuf Saros, who sadly was hurt in the first round against Colorado. And Igor Shesterkin, who's the young guy for the New York Rangers, who uh, is in quite a series right now in round number one. Uh, give us your thoughts on each of these goaltenders and who you think should win. Well, yeah, I think it's really important that we talk about it. it's it's the regular season stuff because Igor Shesterkin, who was the, not the main reason, but one of the huge reasons why New York did as well as they did this year. Shesterkin, to me, and we saw him, close up when we were in New York together early in the season, he was marvelous. I mean, absolutely marvelous. And um, the Rangers didn't score a lot of goals, but they didn't have to with Shesterkin. When I look at overall his game, you get a little bit uh, disappointed in what's happened for him in the playoffs because he's been yanked the last two games and it is, uh, it's not going well for Igor, but out of the gates, I would look at Igor Shesterkin because he was the sexy pick. I think Soros has played well. I think Markstrom has been lights out all world and doesn't get a lot of play. But to me, I still think Igor Shesterkin gets the, gets the vote and gets the gets the Vesna. I think it's it's probably the the way that the choice is going to go. Although I'm going to vote a little bit on Markstrom's side. You know, when when the yeah. Sharks beat Washington back in January on that on that crazy road trip where they played well but only got that one win, had really close games in Florida and in Tampa and in Carolina. After that game in Washington, they were actually tied with the Calgary Flames in the standings. And that really is something amazing to see. Given the Hilton San Jose is the preferred of hotel of the San Jose Sharks and SAP Center in San Jose. Experience me, something new. Maybe it's just Close my to bias, home or from across the world, that, you know, the Hilton San Jose is there for you with memorable Norris offers and experiences. Enjoy the brand new guest rooms, luxurious Waldorf Astoria um, beds, and upgraded amenities. We're committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivering an even cleaner stay from check in to check out. Visit sanjose.hilton.com now to make your reservation. We are. Hilton. We are hospitality. More of a body of work, and I know that's not necessarily what the qualifications are, but given what they did down the stretch and how much he actually had to play, I might lean in the direction of Markstrom, but I have no problems with Shesterkin winning. In my mind, Soros is definitely a very solid third. Yeah, it's a good argument on your part regarding Markstrom, though. When we come back, some thoughts on Patrick Marlowe and the draft lottery on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. 
He scores! The San Jose Sharks Audio Network is on 24 hours a day. Whether you're in the office or on the go, make sure that you download the Sharks SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and hit listen anytime. You can also find us on your computer by going to sjsharks.com slash listen. If it's a game broadcast, breaking news, or a player feature, the place to find it is right here on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. We continue now with the Sharks Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. May the 10th was a very special day at SAP Center at San Jose because the exploits of Patrick Martel were definitely honored. He's had so many great moments in his 21-year career for the Sharks and 23 years in the NHL, but it was time for him to hang it up and stop talking about moments like this one. And so the Sharks go on the man advantage for the first time. And here's Pavelski. Lead for Marlow. Moves in. He scores. There it is. Number 500. Patrick Marlow checks off another qualification mark for the Hall of Fame. He becomes the 45th player in the history of the league to get to 500 goals. And it comes on the power play. What a moment. He announced his retirement today. And he was very emotional in front of his wife and kids, his four boys who all play the sport of hockey. He had uh, several teammates, Scott Hannon, Dan Boyle, Yevgeny Nabokov, Mike Ricci, and uh, also Devin Setaguchi were, were in tow. And some special messages sent from guys that couldn't make it, including Joe Thornton, who checked in from Florida, Logan Couture, and uh, just really an amazing experience at SAP Center today. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, so many different types of memories that you and I have with him. I think one of the, the great things that, that I can recall is – Going into a, a, a workout facility in Denver, Drew, after the Sharks had lost a couple of games, Patrick hadn't scored a point in maybe seven, eight games. And we had just arrived. I went down there to feel a little bit better, get, get into the gym and get a workout in. And all by himself in a corner working out was Patrick Marlowe. There was a guy who was dedicated to trying to be the best he could be at, at any time. He was a great teammate. He's a great friend to everybody, uh, treated everybody so well. And it's not uh, going to be too long before we're going to see that number up in the rafters, I think. Absolutely. Um, not be too long before you see him in the Hall of Fame, whatever the, whatever the time limit is on, on those votes. When I think about Patrick Marlowe, I think about that uh, almost 18-year-old kid coming in to the San Jose Sharks. I think about that team. Um, I, I had a chance to talk to Patrick today when he joined our radio show in Saskatchewan here. And he talked about Kelly Rudy, of course, he lived with the Rudys that first year. He, Mike Vernon, he and Mike Vernon and Kelly Rudy drove to the rink every day. Uh, Murray Craven, Tony Granado, um, uh, Billy Holder, Doug Bodger, uh, Todd Gill. That team was, as he thought, a perfect team for him to come into as a young guy who was watching these guys a year ago. Now he's playing with them. He said that playing with those guys and having that influence around him really helped get him going in the right direction because remember Daryl was the coach then Daryl was no easy easy guy to, to play for back in those days he's still a hard guy to play for but he was he was and he was tough on young guys he had he also had you know Owen was there of course and, and Owen was tough on young guys yeah Owen was really tough on young guys Jeffrey Friesen was there but it's good for you know Friesen was a Saskatchewan guy as well so when Patrick came in he said he, he didn't think he could come into a better team or a better organization. I asked him this, though, Danny. 
I said, why do you think Sharks fans loved you so much besides the type of player you were, which is successful, besides the team won a lot? Why do you think that – it was an unfair question. Why do you think that the Sharks fans loved you as much? And he went, you know, that's a good question. I don't really know, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I think it's because that they saw that I tried to give everything I had when I played. He said they appreciated – um, he thinks his, his work appreciated how he was as a player on and off the ice. And they appreciated that he cared and loved the Bay area. So I think he, that nails it. Right. I mean, when you look at Patty, the professionalism, the, uh, the class, uh, the dignity that he, when he wore that Jersey, uh, you were proud that Patty Marlowe was a, was a San Jose shark. And I thought, I, I know you and I did, Danny. We did a lot of games with Patty, about Patty Marlowe. I was just honored to be able to watch him grow as a player, but more as a human being than anything. For me, that's a big part of it, too. That's what makes him a, a Hall of Fame person as well as a Hall of Fame player. And, you know, uh, that one year with Kelly Rudy and his family, uh, he told me today that that made a big difference on him. And it's, of course, one of the reasons why he started to give back. What's not known is that he took Steve Bernier under his wing after he was drafted in the first round in 2016. And then later when he went to Toronto, it's a little bit more well-documented that uh, he took Mitchell Marner and Austin Matthews uh, under his wing again. And live they didn't, him. they didn't yeah. live with, they didn't live with him all the time, but they really basically did because they hung out at his house all the time. <laughs> and, and I, and I think that, that, that was something that, uh, that was really heartwarming to see. And it was something that it's something that the hockey culture uh, really has to maintain over the next generation, which they're doing. And I like to see it. Patty, uh, Patty told a story about the, uh, the, the Marner, Marner and Matthews would come over for supper and then he'd have to yell at them downstairs because they'd be playing uh, mini stick hockey with the boys downstairs. And Patty, come on, boys, everybody, let's go supper time. So that was, I thought that was a good story. Well, we've got one more thing to talk about on the show today, Drew, and that is the NHL draft lottery. And here's how it all transpired. I wish all 16 clubs participating in the draft lottery good luck. And let's get this underway. The 11th overall selection in the 2022 NHL draft belongs to the San Jose Sharks. The number three overall selection in the 2022 NHL draft belongs to the Arizona Coyotes. The first overall selection in the 2022 NHL draft belongs to the Montreal Canadiens, which means number two, the New Jersey Devils. So the team that was the odd team out was the Arizona Coyotes, who dropped to number three. But no surprise for the Sharks. They'll select 11th overall. And uh, I don't think there was a lot of drama in, in the overall selections. But it's always fun to see that program and uh, Bill Daly representing the league and all of the pomp and circumstance. Yet, this is a big deal for Montreal. Of course, uh, Shane Wright is the expected number one draft pick overall. And they had the worst record in the league, which is basically unheard of in, in La Belle Provence. But for the Sharks selecting at 11, it brings me back to 1994 when they took a kid out of Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan at that position named Jeff Friesen. And of course, he ended up winning a Stanley Cup later in his career and had a, a very strong career with the San Jose Sharks. So they're going to get a really good player. It's just going to be interesting to see how it's all maneuvered. Yeah, it's not a bad draft class. I've been doing a lot of reading on the draft on the draft prospects. Um, about 
a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, a kid named Connor Geeky, six foot four centerman. Uh, maybe he would be the guy that Sharks could maybe have a look at. Big, great hands, good playmaker. Not a great skater, but that can be improved on. That can be worked on. But, um, and you know, you got to build down the middle, as, as we all know. And Doug Wilson used to talk about all the time. And of course, Tim Burke, who's got a got the handle and is in charge of this draft. He knows that as well. There's a lot of good players. I think the rankings will switch up a little bit with the European players. The big question mark, Danny, um, the, the Russian players with all the situation with Russia and Ukraine, the war going on. Um, Mr. Bettman has said Russian players will be eligible to be drafted, but it, it might be convoluting how teams would be considering um, some of the, some of the Russian uh, players. Um, there's a couple of good strong ones in that 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 uh, draft prospect ranking that maybe the Sharks will be looking at, but that'd be another extra thing they'll have to consider. But maybe this time those guys are going to drop a little bit, maybe into the second round for that reason. That could happen. Yeah. That's going to be part of the draft calculus that goes on at the table. And, of course, Joe Will, the interim general manager, is, is an old hand at all this. He's been intimately involved with Tim Burke and Dougie Wilson Jr. and the entire Sharks scouting staff. So whether or not the Sharks actually have their general manager selected at that time, they're going to continue to go with the program that they have. But um, it is an interesting point. Uh, one other thing too, the Sharks certainly have no problems in, in drafting a Russian player or developing no. them. They just signed Alexander Barabanov to a, a contract extension. Same thing with Jacob Megna. And I was happy to hear that news. Yeah, me too. I, we both like Jacob Megna. Uh, you know, there were some positives this year. We, we talked about it on the last game in Seattle, how hard this team worked and the job that Bob Bugner his coaching staff just kept coaching these guys up, kept playing. But the, the one area of, um, positivity. The one plus area that I kept looking at was, boy, they've got a couple of defensemen here who can play. That you look at them, the way they read the game, the way they react in the game, how aggressive they are. Um, all the things that you look for in an NHL player, the confidence in a very tough position. You and I have talked about it. And we've, we've seen it a lot. That NHL defensemen, those are the slowest guys to develop because that role is tough, tough, tough. But I like Jacob. I think Jacob's got some game to him. And um, he's one of those guys I think that you you look at you look at when your team starts to really get good and starts to build and you go, ah, he's one of those guys, man. He's he's one that you need to keep around. Well, we're looking forward to the end of this first round of the playoffs. And Drew Amenda and I will be back in the next few days with episode three of our Sharks Stanley Cup playoff report. Until then, so long, everybody. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.